A very good morning to you and welcome <laughs> along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Uh, it's Deirdre Kelly and Poring Horkin in good studio. Morning, and he's already uh, <laughs> identifying my lack of knowledge and he's Not getting such a kick out of it. <laughs> good morning to you. How are good things? Good morning, Deirdre. How are you? I'm very good. good I'm very good. Good, good, good. And you have come late and down because, of course, it's not all any old weekend. We have Mother's Day It's tomorrow. Mother's Day, absolutely. Yeah. And we Time always... to honour all the mammies. Yeah, and what better way than by offering a plant? Because I think a plant in particular, you've got it for years, for many, many years. And particularly plants like camellias. I was actually admiring some of the camellias on the way up in the car this morning. They've come, they've come into flower nice and early this year. And they're flowering in gardens at the moment. And they look like a rose flower, beautiful, big, uh, rose-like blooms from late February mm-hmm. right through up until about the end of April, mid-May. So there's another five or six weeks of colour to come from camellias just yet. And they're a plant that I always like at this time of year because they're, they're, they're very vibrant. Reds, deep pinks, whites, slight yellows. Um, but they flower for such a long period. The flowers tend to come out over that six-week period. They don't just come in a burst. Mm -hmm. You get them flowering for such a long period. And of course they're evergreen as well, retaining that lovely glossy foliage through the winter period. So if you had, say, if you were buying a a plant for a mother over the weekend... Well, that would be uh, a good choice. Because, and it comes back every year, so she'll remember that. And it always always flowers at Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, so that's really nice. You want to have it it out in in bloom on Mother's Day. Yeah, so it always flowers. Mm. It always flowers for that kind of uh, late February, March, April sort of period. So they're nice and they're good if if you wanted to plant, say, for outer doors. But I also brought some indoor plants, uh, something different. This plant here to my right... Rather stunning, I have to say. It's a lovely one, isn't it? Mm, this absolutely. Is, this is a. It's actually in the orchid family, and I think you've got some uh, history have, with. Yes, we have. I have a little history of orchids. For an, uh, it, uh, you know, sometimes people think I think that orchids are very difficult to grow, um, and maintain. And I think one from about two years ago. It's still doing very well doesn't receive a huge amount of attention I have to be perfectly honest but it is quite happy in its corner and yeah That's where they thrive on, they're epiphytes which mean they they grow in trees in the the kind of branches mm. and leaf or the branch axles of trees in, in the wild so they grow in very minimal type soils and when you buy them they tend to be in a kind of very loose uh, fibre type uh, compost and that's to mimic the natural environment where they grow right. as epiphytes mm. uh, you know in the in, in the jungle um, and so they're actually a plant that need very little care uh, repotting maybe every two years some orchid feed during the, the summer period but apart from that they take a little bit of neglect and they are that type of plant that you can forget about for a couple of weeks mm. and, and go back to and if anything kindness kills them kills them well they're okay well, it's, not too much getting, wa- it's not getting kindness in too my much house. watering too much feeding but this is one this is one called phalaenopsis mm. which is a small flowering orchid yeah, that's really delicate yeah. uh, because the one I have is fantastic but it is one of the bigger blooms Symbidiums, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this, the, these are these always kind of my association I have association with Japan for some reason and, and yeah. these particular ones nice but they delicate have, flower yeah, absolutely and beautiful and again you've, you can see there's three full stems of flower and in each flower uh, stem you've got about 20 flowers, uh, some open and lots yet to come. come so yeah. again, if you want something easy, something indoor and um, that's not going to take a lot of care, a lot of trouble, but is going to flower every year at this time of year, then Phalaenopsis or the, the small flowering orchid is one to look f- Absolutely for. Absolutely stunning. I, I've brought one of your ones along. I brought one of the um, Cymbidiums, oh, the, the yes. big flowering orchids. And this is the typical orchid that you'd see sold as a cut flower, but it's you can grow it as a plant as well. It's a slightly bigger plant, bigger bloom. 
um, I suppose more spectacular in colour. Very spectacular, yeah. When when absolutely. Now that's got a beautiful pink tinge to it. Yeah. Um. So they come, I suppose, in different colours as such. I think the one I might have is more uh, creamy in colour. That's right. Yeah. Um. But it is. Yeah. They're they're really quite spectacular. And then beside that one, this we one, have and this is one I like. And and uh, look at the look at the the way the flower is shaped. That's actually a leaf brack. It's it's a plant called Anthurium or oh. painters palette. Okay. It's well named, isn't it? It is. Painter's palette. It, that's fantastic, actually. Isn't it? Yeah, what does it, it remind it you of? It does look like a painter's palette. Doesn't it? Yeah, like a, exactly. And it, because these are actually, the flowers are what we w- would associate as the flowers are actually modified leaves, which means that they don't fade. They stay on the plant for a very, very long period. So if you wanted something that holds its colour for nearly two months of the year, then look for painter's palette. This is one that the the, the colour actually changes in the in the bract in the flower head. Mm-hmm. So it's it's white as it opens, mm-hmm. and then as it matures, it goes to this lovely shade of of pink, pink. real rich pink. Um, so and it has uh, a little, and then the boundary of it or the the outer part of it is is beautifully tinged with green, yeah. which complements so, then the wider foliage. Yeah. So as it opens, that that green tinge is in it, and then it goes to that darker pink mm. during the the uh, spring and summer period. So that's that's painter's palette or anthurium if you can remember anthurium. anthurium an easy to grow indoor plant broad green leaves it's the sort of plant that will tolerate some shade again it's one of those plants that thrives a little bit on neglect so you can you know if you don't water it yeah. you know if you forget every now and again that's totally okay and it does come back into flower every year they come in reds and this is just one with, with white with and pink, pink, two colours. So it's beautiful, it's very pretty. They're the sort of plants. Anthurium de Moore, to give it its full title, exactly. I see on the label there. Or, or Painter's Palette is, is a common name. The Cymbidium Orchid, or the Phalaenopsis Orchid, which I particularly like. It's that lovely, small, yeah. really intense purple flower. Um, but really nice. It's a really nice indoor plant. And they're easy. Yeah. They're very, very simple to grow. Which is great because if you are giving a gift, for example, for Mother's Day, uh, you don't necessarily want to be given a gift where that requires loads of work. Exactly, so, um, exactly. And that will live. That and, that will be, live. and that will live. Yes, that's the other thing. Yeah, I, I do. I think that is beautiful. And this the, is a and nice the colour and the vibrancy of the colour on that, uh, while delicate, is also very strong at the same time. Yeah, so, it's very yeah. striking. Beautiful. So there you go. So, so lots f- of options, really, for people. I mean, and that's just a small selection Absolutely. of what I mean, people can consider, of, yeah. whether it's outside or inside yeah. there really are a huge amount of choices and I thought I, I was actually looking at the garden around the garden centre yesterday mm. and I thought the, the guys have planted up some kitchen herbs in in terracotta pots and larger pots putting a kind of a collection of herbs together and I thought that was a, quite a nice gift for maybe somebody that's into cooking and likes a bit of cooking and to actually have a selection of herbs right outside the patio door would be nice as well. But I brought a few herbs in as well because I think we touched on it last week. We had a couple of questions or um, I did mention some of the herbs. So I said, why not bring a few in? Mm. And um, we were chatting, I think, about the lavender earlier on, uh, the lovely silver lavender. That's, uh, <laughs> Which looking, I identified as rosemary. That's looking that's really was, well at the moment. That's what was giving him such a laugh initially. Um, okay, so this is... Yeah, this okay, is lavender. lavender so yeah. it's, it's, uh, this is the time to plant herbs yes, in the is. garden. Yes, I can smell it now. For, first and foremost. Um, the, any, that I'm, any that we'll feature today are all frost hardy. You can plant them out of doors. And um, So lavender is great. It's going to come into flower in about the middle of June, but it's looking really well at the moment with the lovely silver foliage. And now is the time. Mm. If people have lavender in the garden, it's the time to prune it back and feed it but it's also time to plant lavender if you want a little lavender hedge or you want a, a just a, a plant of lavender mm. out of doors because it grows fantastic as a shrub in its own right or in a pot it does really well but it also can be used as a, as a herb mint tea of course is very popular at the very. moment 
Um, so I brought along some Moroccan mint, which is, has the best flavour. If you're looking for a really intense flavour of mint, Moroccan mint has a really strong flavoured mint. Yep, so it's the best one for if you're using it in drinks or you're using it mm. in... in oh, uh, that's really geez, minty. Isn't it? Mm. Very, very strong minty flavour. So look for that. That's Moroccan mm. mint. Simple to grow. Very, very easy to grow. The other mint I featured last week was the um, Eau de Cologne, which is the original mint that was used in perfumery. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, this is this one here. It's actually a creeping mint so it has it spreads by ground cover right uh, stays very very low it only grows about two inches in height but really fills out it's got lovely pink or purple flowers in the summer which the bees just adore so the bees really love this plant when it comes into flowers it's a great bee plant bee friendly plant but more importantly the foliage is used for scent so if you want to make up your own perfume or your own scent there's an idea um, just take the leaves as I'm doing there crush them put them into a bit of hot water and oh, the, you can, yeah, that's very, that's kind of mentholy, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's got that me- spearmint. Mm. It's a spearmint type mint. As it's I, it's get, different, isn't it? It is, and you can really get the. Um, it's very intense smell. Yeah, yeah, or very, and I'm sure it tastes. It's that, it's, it's that really spearmint uh, um, scent that comes off it, and also this particular variety of mint, eau de Cologne, is very good for flies, or oh. very nasty for flies. Well, good for people. So, yeah, so if you want to make it up into a little hand spray mm. and have it handy, rather than using your your traditional fly spray killer, this you'll find very effective. Even leaving a plant in a windowsill will deter flies. Believe it or not, here's one for you. Yeah. It was used years and years ago to keep rodents and mice away from the granaries where people stored oats and barley. They used mint. To, as a deterrent. To, as a deterrent. They disliked the smell of mint. Wow. Right. That's now, very, it might be more very pro- interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. So that's one called Eau de Cologne. Eau de it's available Cologne. now. It's easy to grow. Really and nice plant in the garden. Lovely for cutting and using, say, in... It's not used really for in sauces as as, as much as the, as um, the Moroccan, Moroccan mint. mint. But it's more used for, you know, deterring flies. Used as a scent because mm. the scent is very good. So diffuse it in water and then just use it as a little hand spray and use it as a scent. And, and particularly good for flies. Well, hopefully we're going to have a good hot summer so we'll give it, have, have an opportunity to give it lots of, uh, of experimentation. And, um, and just on the mint front, yeah. um, if people are planting mint, Yes. because I've heard this before it could be true it could be a pish oak as the fellow says um, if you're planting mint out of doors like in the ground yes um, is is that advisable or because I've heard that they, the root structure can really spread it can and that's the one the mm. one thing to warn people about okay. that mint does spread eau de cologne doesn't spread as rapidly so it's, it's not as, as vigorous or as um, invasive but many of the other mints like apple mint the common mints yes they do spread by underground stems they are perennial they die back at the end of the year and they can spread so the easiest right. thing to do is to plant it up into a big pot mm-hmm. and sink the pot and all into the ground ah and there you've got your, your mint. Yeah, it keeps it contained. Very um, or if you've got a piece of ground where you don't mind it spreading, then fine, that's a place you can put it. But yes, it is. It is a quite a vigorous um, herb and, and do do watch where you plant it. But there are the two, Moroccan mint for, for mint tea and the eau de cologne for, for that scent. The other two I brought yes. in were, were marjoram and oregano, which again, this is the time of year. And again, they're great for, for bees in particular. They're lovely purple flowers that come on them in the summertime. They're loved by bees, as is lavender. Lavender is a great plant for bees. They, it flowers for such a long period. They just love it. But marjoram, again, used in pizza dishes, um, any of that kind of Mediterranean type mm-hmm. cooking. Um, it's, 
it's very good and it's, it's this is again the time of year to plant them and really with herbs you can end up with a nice windowsill or a pot bang them in together put them very close together because the bit of competition helps to keep the plants um, more co- conformed it stops them spreading and if anything it in, the, flavor, the, the oils the essential oils mm. become more intensified so great in window boxes um, patio tubs that's our terracotta pots or indeed you can plant them out of doors and they're all frost hardy and can be planted now and even herbs like coriander yeah because that's more delicate isn't it it is it's more it's grown like basil it is an annual so it only grows for the one year the Mm. plants are available this time of year so plant them now but it's lovely in curries mixed with rice it's fantastic coriander you can use the seeds and if you let the seeds dry the flavour becomes more intense, intense yeah. and, and better. It's one of my favourite herbs. I yeah, so say. that coriander, and mm. it's quite a vigorous herb, but now is the time to plant it. Or if you're fortunate to have a greenhouse or a tunnel, plant some herbs up there now because you get a flush of growth over the next two or three weeks that you can use by the end of April um, and maybe plant some outside as well. Great stuff. So a really good time to plant herbs in the garden. In the garden. And have we any more over in yeah, the box? Or have we, is there, um, do we miss uh, anything well, of, th- of particular a interest? I see thyme. I hope I'm identifying this Yeah, right. you are. Yeah, <laughs> This is creeping lemon thyme. Oh, Smell that okay. one. This beautiful lemon scented thyme. Oh, that's very it? interesting. And then that's the regular common That's the thyme, regular one, yeah. Which is re- again loved by herbs. This is rocket. Yes. Which again is a great salad plant. Um, it gives that kind of a spicy, peppery zing yeah. to salads. Very or, delicious. Or to dish. Yeah, and very vigorous as well. Um, uh, what else have I got here? I've got that uh, variegated oregano, which again, just for leaf colour, looks coriander. really well. Um, and coriander. But yeah. there's lots of herbs. That's just that's a lemon. That le- so that's le- lemon, lemon thyme. Lemon thyme, but it's a creeping Very variety. Very interesting. So if you had a rockery or a border, mm. or you had, to say, a nice big pot and you want something to trail out over the sides of the pot, that creeping thyme is lovely and it's got that lemon scent as well. Quite so stuff. things like um, bay leaf, rosemary, all the popular thyme, sage, all of those, all the popular herbs, this is really the time to start getting them back in the garden. Good stuff. Parsley, of course. Italian oh, well, parsley. Oh yeah, well parsley, parsley is kind of the great old favourite really, it is indeed, isn't it? Yeah, and in so Ireland useful. anyway, I think, when nothing else, when we didn't really know about much else, uh, there was, was always the parsley. Yeah. The cur- yeah. <laughs> and the parsley lives for about two years. So if you, if it's, mm. if you have pla- parsley for longer, it starts to go to seed. So it's advisable every couple of years to replenish the plants, replant, either sow some fresh seed or sow some plants at this time of year. Do a bit of both if you want. Great. Okay, I think we'll probably take a break. I know there's some questions. Some of them were coming in very early this morning, Porik. Uh, so hopefully those folks are still tuned our way. We'll come to those. And if you do have something that you want to fire at us uh, by way of gardening this morning, 0818 3055 if you're calling us. And you can text us as well on 087 900 4141. Now, you're very welcome back to the gardening programme. Right, Pork, loads and loads of questions. Um, Now, forgive me in advance if I don't pronounce this correctly, but uh, a listener bought a big colocasia bulb. How do I plant it properly? I sowed a few hundred snakes' heads, fritillaria seeds in trays, all germinated. How do I grow them on? What's a colocasia bulb? What are fritillaria seeds? Well, fritillarias, first of all, they're beautiful and and they're... they're, um, Snake's head. They're, they've got a, 
a flower head, kind of a drooping flower head. First of all, they only grow to about six or eight inches in height. So mm. these bulbs uh, or, or these plants are actually going to be, you sow them from seed, they'll actually form a bulb over time. They're perennial, they come back each year. Um, <clears throat> and they're ideal, say, in rockeries, flower borders, um, anywhere like that. Even in a, in a shaded area under trees, they do very, very well. So if you had a, a couple of broadleaf trees with maybe some grass underneath it, you could pr- put some of the areas in there. So they're little nodding heads of flower and they're speckled, quite speckled um the petals are, are speckled in colour so mm. they're shades of purples and pinks and whites and uh, little flecks through them. So a really nice plant. Um, so the question was what? Sorry, where, sorry. I, I where think I jump, yeah. So we've got the Colocasia bulb first. Okay. Um, how do you plant that properly? Well, Colocasia is the common name for it is a plant called the elephant's ear and it produces foliage like an elephant's ear. Huge big leaves um, with that kind of drooping um, shape. Yeah. Um, so it's grown as a foliage plant. It flowers as well, but it is frost sensitive. So, and when you buy the bulb, it mi- it looks like a celeriac. You know the celeriac, oh, yes. right? It yeah. looks like that. It's so kind it's of big. withered. Right. Ba- yeah, not as big as celeriac, celeriac, but but very similar in in texture. And mm. uh, so it's a big bulb. You plant it indoors. So get yourself maybe a good six or seven inch pot. Multi-purpose compost, the grow wise compost would be very good. Pot it up in that, give it a good watering, cover it with a bit of cling film just to get the temperature uh, nice and warm and yes. place it in a bright warm windowsill. It'll kick into growth in about two or three weeks um, and once you see the growth coming, take the cling film off, allow it to grow on, continue to water and plant the colicasia about the middle of May out of doors in a bright sunny location or in a big pot. It does really well in a big pot and it produces these massive big foliage leaves like elephant's ear. It's exactly that. Um, it is frost sensitive so you need to take it back in in the winter time. Right. So around September, early October. Mm. Just let the bulb die back and then bring it back indoors for the winter. So it's a novelty plant, if, if anything else. It's something different and something unusual. Um, but the bulbs are available in garden centres at the moment. So just ask for elephant's ear bulbs and pot them up. And what was the fritillaria And the first, so a few hundred snakes' heads fritillaria seeds and trays all germinated. Brilliant. So how do they grow them on? Well, just, they are frost hardy. I would, I would keep them, say, in the greenhouse of the tunnel for another couple of weeks. And about the middle of May, again, plant them out. But plant mm. them like any bulb in clusters. So put them out in groups of maybe six or seven of the seedlings together in a cluster. Uh, protect them against the slugs because that's going to be important. Mm-hmm. And they should come into flower next spring, the following spring of 2015. They should come into flower and they'll flower every year after that. Um, beautiful plant. They come into flower in April. So what? it's a really, really nice fritillaria. There are other varieties of fritillaria that grow tall, which are nice in herbaceous borders or, say, where you, where you have uh, lupins or delphiniums yeah. and you want to add a bit of colour. The real big, tall, imperial fritillarias. Again, they have the nodding flowers. But the snake's head is a really dainty, small Smaller. plant. And generally, they're sold as seed or you can buy bulbs in the autumn time to come into flower the following spring. Okay. So a really nice so plant. Sean has obviously bought the seeds. Yeah, he's done very things, well. Yeah. Things sound like they're going very well, yeah. Sean. The best of luck with that. <clears throat> now, a listener has several wind, uh, several pot planters, rather, and window boxes and would like to have colour in them for Easter. Not okay. long to go. But yeah, ca- is, is it weeks. too late? Yeah, or no, no, no. Can no. they plant <clears throat> anything now? Flowers, uh, flowers, please. Yeah. yeah, what I would be thinking at this time of year, you're looking at plants like the spring flowering pansies. We're coming into flower now. Violas will be flowering very soon and will flower right through uh, the Easter period. Primulas and polyanthus will still be in flower right up till, till early May. And the spring flowering heathers will be lovely. They're vibrant colours at the moment in whites, purples and pinks. So mm-hmm. putting them into boxes now, they'll be perfectly okay and, and give good co- colour to the end of April. Um, so winter, the spring pansies, the violas, the primulas, 
uh, trailing campanulas, a very nice plant at the moment, with vivid blue flowers uh, in flower at the moment. It's nice, say, at the front of a window box to cascade over and will give uh, a really nice bit of colour. So any of those plants, dear, they're all frost hardy. You can pot them up safely at this time of year and uh, put them out in your window boxes. Trailing ivy would be nice as well in containers and they'll give you colour right up into the middle of May. Right. Winter heather, spring pansies, all of those. Great. So uh, It's a good time, actually, for if, you're, if you want to add a bit of colour for the kind of late spring, spring early summer yeah. period to go in and, and, and those plants are available in garden centres at the moment. Great, and take sort of a little bit of the dullness out of things. Exactly. Now, a listener has a lot of peony roses in their garden, which flower beautifully. They're wondering, what can they plant with them to flower later in the summer? Well, I suppose that's the thing with peony roses, that they come into flower and then they go out of flower very quickly. And they're very spectacular when they are in flower, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're, uh, as people know, it's a great time actually to plant peony roses in the garden. Um, And they're very reliable once they start flowering, they flower generally every year. Remember the time we had had somebody with... We had 30 or something, yeah. On, yeah, on the plant. and they had them for quite a long time. <clears throat> yeah, so so typically peony roses flower in May is, is, is the time of year that they come into bloom, late April, May sort of period, and flower for, for two to three weeks. So you're looking for plants that are going to flower after that. So I would be putting in some lupins at this time of year, and there's, there's actually a lovely variety called um, the West Coast series, which are dwarf lupins. They only grow to about two feet, uh-huh. 18 inches, maybe two feet, nice spikes of flower and they'll give very good colour right through May into June, that sort of period. Flocks would be very good, the old perennial flocks, the old cottage garden flocks gives great colour. I'd also be planting up some bulbs this time of year. Dahlias, which are terrific for colour, the cacti dahlias will come into flower in June and flower right through to November. So they'll be great uh, addition to a border where you've got peony roses and you plant those up indoors now on a windowsill or in a greenhouse or tunnel and grow them on for a couple of weeks. Gladioli would be lovely. Um, nice long stems again. So kind of a mixture of the cottage garden plants like phlox, lupins, delphiniums, coreopsis would be all very good. And then some of the bulbs like dahlias, lilies, the scented lilies, they're available at the moment. Agapanthus, the African lily, which is lovely, uh, um, June, July, August sort of period. The dahlias will give terrific colour right through the summer. So any of those will complement uh, a peony rose mm. border. And most of them, well, certainly the, the lupins, delphiniums, phlox would be perennial that come year after year. Even some of the arum lilies, you know, the big white yes. lily, Great, great for flowering over a long period. Or the scented lilies like the stargazer lilies or the regal lilies, they'll come into flower uh, July, August sort of period. Okay, so it's really it's about plan, thinking planning, and planning and saying, all right, well, what do I need to make sure that I have a little bit of something going on all the time? Yeah, and that yeah. was that was when we had we had the, the gardening night on Wednesday night. Yes. And we had a great great turnout by the way, and thanks to everyone for, for turning up. But I suppose the point I was making to, to, uh, to people that came along was to be thinking about summer. It's, you know, it's spring, it's daffodils and all that are in flower at the moment. But that's because we thought about those in autumn. Autumn, yeah. But you really need to think about summer colour now. So what are the things you want for June, July, August? Your hanging baskets, your window boxes, your colour in the borders, like people are suggesting, vegetable plants, potatoes. What we do today and over the next couple of weeks determines what we're going to get Mm. in the summertime. So it's really trying to get people to think about summertime now and, and what is it that they want to have in the garden and now is the time to start thinking about planting those plants or bulbs or seed or, or bedding plants or whatever it may be to have that colour later on in the summer period. 
Great stuff. Now, uh, so we've some peony roses there. Now, uh, somebody with a lawn and with the moss, we, we will address this, all right? Mm. Um, so they cut the lawn, which was a lot of moss, on Wednesday, and they've spread uh, their Osmo granules, and they're wondering... The lime, obviously, yeah. Yeah, that's lime. what it was, yes. Yeah. So when should they spread the actual Osmo moss killer, and should okay. they cut the lawn before spreading it? Well, if, they, if they've cut it already, Once, yeah. so that's fine. Mm-hmm. So they've cut it, they've spread the lime, so that's that's perfectly okay the rain that we've had in the last two days will wash that in so that's 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 ideal and the osmo should go on about a week later so this day week or or wednesday mm-hmm. was it so next wednesday the osmo moss remover can go on and there'll be no need to cut the lawn for probably another two weeks it's not growing that vigorously yet the osmo moss remover the fertilizer that's contained in that is slow release so it won't force the grass on so there's no need to cut the lawn for until probably the second week of april Right. At this stage, so they're doing everything okay. correct, okay. everything to correct. So, so that's fine. You should have hopefully a good result. Ah, after yeah, all well, that. yeah, yeah. Uh, a listener would like to plant um, an escalonia hedge with an evergreen hedge. Sorry, replace an escalonia hedge with an evergreen hedge. Uh, it's in a northeast facing location, a very open area. Uh, would you have any suggestions, please? Well, if you want something, and it depends really what height um, the the listener wants the, the hedge to grow to, but. Probably a very nice hedge would be one called Portuguese laurel, which has that got that dark green foliage. It grows to about five, six, seven feet in height. It's evergreen. It's hardy. Um, tolerates the frost and, and and everything else. And it's a really nice hedge. So go for that Portuguese laurel. It's a, it's quite a good one. The leaves on it are, are smaller than the traditional laurel, yes. so it doesn't suffer wind damage. Like the the problem with the big laurel is that the leaf is so large that it just gets cut and damaged in windy areas. Um, the other plant you'll find good, and it's not totally evergreen, but is is golden and green privet. Privet is a, a good hardy hedge. Um, if we get a cold winter, it does drop some of its mm. leaves. It's it's semi evergreen. Right. So depending on the winter, if it's a mild winter, it holds its foliage. If it's very very cold, it tends to shed. But that's just a natural protection the plant is giving itself. So have a look at golden privet, green privet, or Portuguese laurel as a an alternative. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, from the li- same listener, Eilish. Um, sorry, good morning to you. Uh, also wondering about what's the best compost for a passion flower? Well, passion flowers, remember, are very, very vigorous and, and they'll actually grow out of doors. If you have a sheltered, sunny, south-facing aspect wall, uh, passion flower does, does really well out of doors, particularly in coastal areas where, they, where we don't get a severe frost and makes a, a spectacular flowering plant. I mean, it'll grow 10, 15 feet, that plant. But for if you're growing it as a house plant or in a conservatory, mm. I would use a compost with John Ennis added to it. So look, go into your local garden garden centre and ask them for a John Ennis based compost. Um, John Ennis is, is soil based so it's got a, a little bit more nutrition than regular compost mm-hmm. and you'll find it better. And the other thing you could add to it is a little bit of slow release fertiliser um, from Miracle Grow or uh, Westland would have a granulated feed that you can add to the compost and look for that a slow release feed and a good time actually to start repotting house plants in general but passion flowers in particular because they are very very vigorous are going to come in and put a lot of growth on now over the next couple of weeks or consider planting it out of doors Okay. Be a good time Thanks. to do that. Yeah. Great. Um, now, rhubarb, uh, a listener has a rhubarb that's going really good, they tell us. Eight mm-hmm. inches high at the moment. Good. Um, is there anything they can give it to make it grow faster? They want to be able to pick it as soon as possible. Right, right. <laughs> patience, patience. patience. <laughs> well, no, it's it's actually a good time to feed rhubarb yeah. um, because it you know it has grown from nothing. And and I suppose the last couple of weeks has certainly the weather's been ideal for, for that early growth in rhubarb. I would put sea mungus 
on it. Um, Seamungus fertilizer, and um, that's that's terrific. It's an organic based fertilizer. A couple of handfuls of that around each rhubarb stool will will push it on, and it should be ready for picking in two weeks' time. Excellent. Two weeks. Uh, now somebody's looking for some flowers or plants to grow to give them flowers for cut flowers for their guest house uh, to bloom from early summer to late summer so somebody is planning <laughs> okay. ahead here <laughs> there you go <laughs> so cut flowers well okay what would I go for um, sweet peas I think we feature mm-hmm. those they'd yes. be lovely they, and they really enjoy regular uh, prune picking um, gladioli that I mentioned earlier dahlias are fantastic as a as a cut flower and, and will give you colour right through to November Um what else would be nice? Lilies, or the scented lilies in mm-hmm. particular, really good. As long as you take the, the pollen, pollen stamens yeah. out in, in, when you're cutting them. Um, RM lilies, the white lily, would be really good. Delphiniums. Um, what else? Phlox that we mentioned earlier. Those cut, Again, those cottage garden plants would be really good, good yeah. uh, as cut flowers. So sweet pea, gladioli are great. You know, really good. If you plant them, them as bulbs now, they'll be in flower in July and you'll get certainly, you know, six weeks of colour from them and give really nice long stems. So any of those, any of those long summer flowering plants would be good. Great. Hopefully there'll be lots of blooms. So in that guest house, um, is there any way to keep cats out of flower beds? Well, you can use the, there are the, the uh, scent granules. You know, mm-hmm. you can get a, a thing, a, a product called Scent Off um, and really the smell of it, the cats dislike. Uh, so, But it is a kind of a temporary treatment. Um, you know, after a couple of weeks, it, it starts to wear off. So it, repeated use of that is probably the only way. Right. The other thing you could do, there's a plant called Cat Mint. Oh, yeah. Nepita. Nepita. Cat Mint. Um, and, and it was actually one of the uh, one of the people that came along on Wednesday night was reminding me about their cats absolutely love it. Now, it's a plant that attracts cats, but if you plant it in an area of the garden, right? <laughs> I was going to say, where's the, yeah. this reverse where's it going, somewhere? Where, where's it going with this? Yeah. Well, if you plant it in an area of the garden, that's where the cats will frequent. Okay. Okay. So they love the smell of, of Cat Mint. A plant called Nepita. It's a really nice plant anyway. It's very, very easy mm. to grow. It smells of mint. And it's got lovely blue flowers. Um, and you could plant it in your shrub border in a bed or somewhere in the garden, plant maybe four or five of them together and attract your cats away from the plants that you want them away right. from and attract them to some other area. Now so you probably might think... No, so you're kind of creating a cat-designated area there you in go. your garden. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Like that, you'll probably have every other cat in in the in the <laughs> in neighbourhood in coming yeah. in. But that is a, a good plant for cat lovers. That cat mint, and it does bring them away from, from where, plants that yeah. you may want to protect. So okay. look for that plant, Nepita cat mint. It's a perennial. Once you plant it, you'll have it for years, and it's very very easy to grow. And even if the cats roll around in it, it they won't. They, they might knock it over a bit, but it pops back up again. It's right. one of those kind of very easy to grow, uh, versatile plants. There you go. Um, and the same listener, Teresa, good morning to you. Wondering, can we prune patio roses now? Yeah, and all roses. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about roses last well, week. Well, again, it was something we featured yeah. on, on Wednesday that you do need to prune them back. So, yes, get out there, cut the roses back. And when you prune, you feed. So get on the sudden impact rose feed. That's important um, to give them a bit of colour. OK, we'll have one more question and then we'll take a quick little break. Um, how does one prevent wireworm in soil for potatoes? Well, the trouble with wireworm, it's very difficult to um, the, the, to, to use something with, for as a chemical or an insecticide. You really need to be growing on a very large acreage. So farmers, there are products that are available to them to use. But on a small scale for gardeners, there, re- there really isn't anything that can be used. Now, remember that, that wireworm are most destructive in the months of late July, August, September. So main crop potatoes are the, generally the key target. So if you grow early varieties like Orla, Sharps Express, Duke of York, 
choline, all of those early varieties, you're taking them out of the soil before the wireworm has an opportunity to destroy them. Um, so stay away from the main crop. The other thing you can do uh, is to put down, if, you're, if you haven't planted the potatoes mm. just yet, you can simply cut up some ordinary potatoes so literally just splice them up, dig a hole in the, in, the, in the ground, put the tubers in, and that will attract any wireworm that's in the soil to attack those tubers. Does that right. make sense? Yes. And it, it acts like a trap. So it, it encourages the wireworm within the soil well, to come into that area and they'll infest those couple of tubers. They can be lifted and disposed of. And that's one way of controlling to a certain degree if you're putting them back. But really, to be honest, the best way is to plant early varieties um, and wireworm tends to be a pest of grassland so it's in areas that might have been under grass or under previously. meadow previously yeah and you're, you're tilling that soil the wireworm are already there and then when you put your main crop potatoes in they're attacked by it because the, the larvae yeah. lives for three years in the soil mm. Um, the other way is to cultivate if you cultivate the soil a lot you're bringing the wireworm up, up to the surface the birds will feed on them as well Right. right. So, so the birds will pick them out straight away and, and feed so on kind them. Kind of natu- natural selection. That type of thing. But, yeah. but in, in, in terms of having a, a treatment or something that I could recommend for gardeners, no, there isn't any product on the market. Only for farmers. Okay, very good. Right, we are going to take a quick break, but we still have lots more to come, so stay with us. Okay, welcome back. Now, Pork, you mentioned there that there was quite a, a big crowd um, for it's the interest, evening, yeah. yeah, on Wednesday, and I, I see this one or two texts. Actually, people really found it very beneficial good, good. and got lots of great tips. Yeah. We're told. Yeah. Um, but you're also having an advice clinic next weekend. We are next Saturday and Sunday. So that's Saturday this day week and Sunday. So that's the fifth and sixth, isn't it, mm-hmm. of April? We're going to do a, a an advice clinic. So a drop-in, so people can just come along. Um, we'll have five or six of our horticulturists there to talk to them about. So if people have got kind of typical garden problems or again, if they want to bring some... Remember, we did the design week, week yes. last week, which again went down really well, but that was very design-focused. So this following weekend, the 5th and 6th, I want to do a clinic in the garden centre in Turlock in Castlebar. So if people want to come, drop in, I'll be there myself and the team will be there and um, bring in any garden problem, you know, if it's potato related or veg related mm. or anything at all, bring it into us, bring a piece in or a sample of your soil or whatever the problem is, bring it in and we'll diagnose the problem and hopefully help to s- solve it. And that's between 12 and 5 Saturday week and Sunday, the 5th and 6th. Um, it's a free free event. Just drop in, just call in at any stage Excellent. between 12 and 5 on Saturday and Sunday. We'll remind listeners next week anyway. So that's the 5th and 6th and it's just a, an advice that's clinic. Fine. I think it's I'm, you know, I'm beginning to enjoy all of these, so, <laughs> so I think we'll we'll do a few more over. And yeah. the, the advice weekend again, we had we had uh, 50 people last weekend, so we're going to do that. That was uh, for the design clinic. For now, the design, sorry, yeah. for the design, and we'll do that again in a couple of weeks' time. There was a lot of demand for that. Yeah. But I, so this will be an advice clinic, clinic. Um, Saturday and but Sunday. But if you next do week. have specific problems and you can yeah. bring in a little bring sample a of whatever in. it might be, exactly, uh, then that obviously helps with the whole identification of the problem. Yeah, mm. exactly. It makes it easier. Okay, great stuff. Um, and time again on that? Are, it's between is it 12, 12? 12 and 5 on the Saturday and Sunday. Great. Now, a uh, listener with a lot of shrubs, both evergreen and flowering, like hydrangeas, cornice, etc. Um, they're wondering, is this the time to feed them? They look poor. What should they use? Well, it was one of the points I was making on, on Wednesday mm. night, that with all the rain we've had over the over the winter, there's a lot of leaching of nutrition. And plants in general, particularly evergreen plants, are showing that kind of hungry state. So... 
this is the time to feed plants and the weather is actually perfect. This kind of showery weather is ideal for putting on uh, tree and shrub fertiliser. The best one to use is one called Pro 6. It's a tree and shrub feed. A bag will cover about 40 plants. So if you've got hedging plants or trees and shrubs or general garden plants, you'll find that very effective. About two handfuls to a standard plant is what's used. And uh, do it now and maybe repeat it again about the middle of May. That'll bring the colour back into the plants again. So it's Pro Pro 6 is the one. It's a tree and shrub fertiliser. Now, um, somebody has a raised rockery bed and they'd like to replant it with some new flowers or bulbs that will bloom this year, but also each year, um, something low and creeping preferably. Okay, well, if it is a raised bed, then then um, creeping plants will be, will be ideal. Um, go out and look for some of the alpine plants, the rockery plants. So plants like iris, which is a lovely white flowering plant, it will trail over the edge of the, the raised bed and give lots of colour. Obrisha, which is coming into flower now. Campanula that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, it's, it's in flower. It's a very vivid sky, really kind of really rich blue. Um, and again, a great trailing plant to come down over the edges of plant. Um, so look, go to your local garden centre and look for alpine or rockery plants. The, the key tip really is, and they're perennial, which means they come back year after year. Yes. They need free draining soil. So if the soil is anyway heavy, put in some uh, grit or gravel when you're planting and put them in clusters of threes. So when you're planting them, put them in that kind of a triangular shape mm-hmm. so that the three plants form one large clump. Um, the fritillarias that Sean had would be lovely or any of the dwarf bulbs would be would be ideal uh, for a bit of colour. Um, but really, there's a whole range of, of um, perennial plants, saxifragias and arbretias and campanulas and iris is a particularly nice one that are available. And this is the time of year actually to plant them. And okay. many are just coming into flower. So make sure when you're picking your selection, pick some that are going to flower over the next couple of weeks, but others that will flower then later on this summer like dianthus and that will give colour uh, June, July, August sort of period. Some of the ground covering phloxes will be lovely as well. So alpine or rockery plants is really what the listener is looking for. Now is a good time to plant them. Put them in clusters of threes and put in some gravel or grit when you plant them. Excellent. Um, a listener is wondering, I know we, we mentioned <coughs> about the moss a little bit earlier, is there the availability of Osmo at the moment? Yeah, it's, av- yeah. it's available in all the garden centres at the moment or online. If you want to go on to um, Hawkins.e, I actually have a fact sheet on moss control. So go onto the site, horkins.ie, and download the fact sheet, and it explains exactly what to do step by step in terms of controlling moss on the lawn this year. Now, good morning to Bernie and Claire Morris, who has a large clump of Astranthia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible to divide it? And if so, is the ground too cold to do it? At no, the and, and uh, Astranthia would be one of the herbaceous border plants, uh, very similar to um, delphiniums or, or uh, phloxes or uh, goldenrod, any mm-hmm. of those perennial plants. Now is a great time to dig them up and, and divide them. They're just coming into growth. So you can actually see visibly where the plants are. Like, for example, hostas. This is the time of year to dig them up and split them up. So you, literally, you go out, you dig the clump up get a good sharp spade, divide into two or three, mm-hmm. quite rootless, give it a good cutting back or, or splicing yeah. and then replant those pieces back in to either into the planting hole again or move some to other areas. So it's a great time to divide herbaceous plants in general and transplant them. Remember to put some feed in when you're planting them because they are very hungry and very vigorous and many of them also are liked by slugs and snails. So right. Do keep an eye on that as they're coming into grow, but a great time to, to divide them. Excellent. Um, oh, sorry, just moving down there. Um, a listener has a polytunnel and a friend has asked them to grow asparagus. Is it difficult and is it better to grow indoors or outdoors? Well, remember with asparagus, it's a perennial plant. It's like growing rhubarb. 
So once you plant it, you're going to have it for many, many years. And I would plant it out of doors, to be honest, because it needs lots of space. Um, it's going to be in the ground for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the, the key trip, first of all, it's the right time to plant asparagus. There yes. are several different varieties available. Um, they need plenty of organic matter. So get your hands on some rotted mushroom compost or farmer manure. Dig a good sized trench, put plenty of that manure into it and then create a raised drill and plant the asparagus tubers right along the drill, right. spacing them about 18 inches apart. Mm. You allow them to grow for the first year, so you don't touch them, you just let them grow, they'll produce the ferny foliage like an asparagus fern, you allow that to die back at the end of the winter, and then next spring, if they're really growing strong, you can start, consider to take some of the shoots, not many. Right. So you want to build it up for a couple of years before you start harvesting on a regular mm. basis, and now is the time of year that asparagus, over the next couple of weeks you start to crop it. So you're, you're taking the young spears as they're coming through the soil. But they're better out of doors because in the tunnel, they're just going to lock up space for you. Um, and, you know, it's, you, you, I'd use the tunnel more for your tomatoes, your cucumbers, your salad crops, things that you want to turn over fairly quickly. Yeah. And you're using the space um, to, 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 to uh, bring plants That's on fast. And you're using it for tender plants like cucumbers, melons, tomatoes, peppers, chilies, those sort of plants. So grow the asparagus out of doors. Good open situation, plenty of organic matter in there. Plant the tubers now. You'll want about a dozen asparagus plants to give you something worthwhile. Right. And look at them as you would on rhubarb. It's exact growing, same growing conditions. Okay. It's exa- the same. exactly well, the same. I always thought it was going to be more complex than that. And no, would, no, would, um, would a plant yield very many um, it, it forms a, it forms stems? Or, yeah, what, it, do you, what do you call it? Spear, spears. Spears. Spears are the shoots, you see, yeah. the young shoots that you're eating. But the, the actual tubers that you buy, uh, the root base, will double or treble its size over a couple of years. years. So exactly like a rhubarb, yeah. but like buying a small rhubarb pot, over three or four or five years, it doubles or quadruples its size. Right. And the same with asparagus. It forms bigger crowns every year. Um, and the trick is, you see, you can't, like rhubarb, if you keep harvesting it, yeah. you weaken the plant. plant. So you've got to give it a year or two to get established, to, to grow on. And you then feed, feed it, it well, you look after it well, you allow the fronds to grow up and die back naturally. And then next spring, so this time next year, you're looking out for a couple of succulent right. asparagus mm, shoots. Yummy, scrummy. Yeah. Okay. And they are delicious, particularly if you can pick them and, and I mean, have the water boiling <laughs> as you're fishing. Get them into the into the water straight away. You uh, can't beat them. Okay, so it's one of those plants that it's needs a, per- a little bit of advance work yeah, it's, until you can actually correct. reap through it's, it's seen as a perennial vegetable, one that you put a good bit of preparation the first year, like you would for rhubarb, yeah. feed it well every year, but you get the benefit the second and third and fourth, and it lives for, it'll live for 30 or 40 years. Oh, yeah. What? So it's well worth putting well the effort worth in. Putting, yeah. yeah. Okay. And keep your tunnel to more quick maturing, which are all available at the moment. I mean, I would be packing it with things like, um, you know, all the, the mm. little gem lettuces, tomato plants can be planted this time of year, cucumbers, melons, they're all available now to put into your tunnel. Okay, uh, we one or two squeeze in and one or two more now. Question on hydrangeas: um, the foliage looks very healthy every season. They treat them very well, feed and water. But is there something else that they should be doing? Because these particular hydrangeas never flower, and they've been pruned back a few weeks ago. And that might be the problem. Oh, the thing right. with hydrangeas is they flower on last year's wood. So if you go out and you prune them like a rose bush, or you cut them hard back, you're essentially cutting away the flowering stems. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they don't flower. They produce lots of leafy growth at the expense of flower. And it's one of the things I covered on on Wednesday night, just how to prune hydrangeas. And really what you need to do is take out last year's 
the old wood, so last year's flowering wood is removed and the young growth is left alone. So you kind of selectively take out the older stems. The other thing that hydrangeas need is heavy feeding. So a high potash fertiliser like Sudden Impact, three to four handfuls of that around the base of the hydrangea um, will bring it into flower. Now this listener said they've pruned it already, haven't they? They have, yeah, a few weeks ago. So it may not, it may not flower again this year, depending okay. on how they pruned it. If they come along next weekend... Lovely. on the Saturday Sunday I'll show them exactly how what to prune to the hydrangea so for those listeners that haven't pruned their hydrangeas don't and come along Saturday week and we'll show you how to actually and it was one of the things we covered on Wednesday again just to pruning plants and once you see it done it's, it's very simple and straightforward you get it but, but yeah. you need to see but it being done. But sometimes, yeah, it can be hard to get it, your head around. Of course it is. Of course in, in, it is. In terms of theory. Yeah, and don't worry about if you haven't pruned your hydrangeas, leaving them another week isn't going to cause any problems. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to have to leave it there. I thought right. we might get to, uh, to a question uh, in wet laurels, but we might hand, uh, hang on to that up for next week. That's fine, dear. Thank you very much, Porik. Happy Mother's Enjoyed Day happy in advance. Happy Mother's Day, right. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. to everybody else out there. And of course, Porik will be back with us again on the programme next Saturday, just after the news at nine. That's uh, my lot as well for this morning. Michael Neary is up next with Country Classics right through until one o'clock here on Midwest Radio and uh, we'll do it all over again next Saturday. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. The sun is starting to come out just as we're finishing up so time for everybody maybe to get out into the garden. Until next week from me, have yourselves a very good weekend. Good morning to you.